Well, good morning again. Uh, my name's Kyle Bobus. The, the bulletin says Brad Wright. Um, I'm not him, so. <laughs> we're glad that you're here with us on this fourth Sunday of Advent. Um, this morning, uh, we're continuing our Advent series, and we're turning our attention to the shepherd's story from Luke chapter 2. Uh, whether you've been around the church or not, I'd be willing to bet that you are very familiar with the story, if for no other reason than you've seen a Charlie Brown's Christmas. Uh, this passage that we'll be looking at together is the passage that Linus reads when Charlie Brown shouts out, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? The angels tell us and the shepherds that they bring good news that will bring great joy. But if we're honest, uh, this summons to the outsiders, this good news that brings great joy, has become for many of us uh, routine news of mild interest. Uh, we need to hear it again. We need to hear the good news because the gospel is the best news that there is. As I heard one preacher say it, if you haven't, if it isn't the best news that you've heard, uh, then you haven't heard it yet. Um, so this morning, this final Sunday in Advent, let's look and listen together at the good news, this summons to the outsiders that came on the night that would change the world forever. So I'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 21. Hear the word of our Lord. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he, was, he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. This is the word of the Lord. Be Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word, for your presence among us, uh, for coming down into our world, for being born as a son in a lowly place uh, 
and that you gave this good news to the lowly shepherds. Um, That's good news for us this morning. We ask that you would meet with us, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would give us great hope and great joy this morning as we encounter the good news of your gospel. It's in Christ's name we come. Amen. I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes you look down at your phone and you see a text message that reads something like this. Um, You've already won. Click here to claim your prize. Um, What do you do? You celebrate, right? You like daydream about this new car that you're going to get, about this vacation that you're going to go on. Um, You fantasize about getting to play hours on your new PS5, right? What do you do? You delete the text because it's a scam trying to get your phone and your information, right? Um, You know that this isn't true, that this isn't real. You might fantasize for just a second about that, but you realize that this is a lie, that this, um, you don't expect it to be true. You know, it's, it's either someone trying to sell you something or worse, trying to steal your information. So you delete the text and you block the phone number so you don't get it again. Um, you see, our, our expectations are built on our perceptions of what we think is going to happen. I know that I'm not getting a free car from a text message. I know that I'm not getting to take my family on a vacation to Disney World from a text message from AT&T. It's not happening. Um, And so what are your expectations this Christmas season um, other than pain and discouragement or brokenness or family dysfunction or just general disappointment? Do you expect God to do anything at all during this season? I think if we're honest, we often, especially this time of year, we don't live expecting God to enter in at all, to bring rescue, to bring joy. We aren't looking for him, and so we take his good news of great joy, and we treat it like the text message, and we just see it, and we swipe, and we delete it, and we just ignore it. But the reality of Christmas, what our text will show us this morning, is that this God keeps his promises. He loves us, and he shatters our expectations. They're bigger than we could ever dream or hope or dare imagine. This God works in unexpected ways. He comes to unexpected people and does unexpected things, and they, in response, do unexpected things as well. So this morning, we're going to look at an unexpected people who receive unexpected news from unexpected visitors, which produces an unexpected response. So first, let's look at the unexpected people in our text. We read in verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping their watch over their flocks at night. The shepherds at this time, in this time in, in the world's history, they were not a significant people at all. They did not have a high status. They're this perfect picture of lowly, humble, of the outcast, of even the outsider. You know, at this time of year, we, we get greeting cards um, that have the nativity scene, and we think of these like warm, gentle, cuddly shepherds carrying a lamb on their back. Um, but this is not who the shepherds were. Uh, they were a step above lepers in that society. Uh, they lived outside, so they were dirty. They didn't smell good. Um, and because they didn't keep the ceremonial law, they were treated as unclean in religious circles. They were considered liars and thieves, so much so that shepherds couldn't even testify in court during the first century. These are the outsiders. 
They're the insignificant, the unwanted, the lowly, and the humble. Uh, there's a great painting you can go look at it this afternoon um, by Hugo Vandergoes from the Portinari altarpiece in Florence, Italy, um, where you see the shepherds as they really, really were. These, they're these poor ruffians. They have bad haircuts, rough faces, dirty fingernails, crooked teeth. You can just, you can smell like what's coming out of them. Um, and these are the people that our God sends his angels to reveal his good news and his glorious presence to. These are the people that he summons to be a part of his kingdom. I mean, can you imagine this? These people? Exactly. It's these people. These people are the one who receive the gospel message, who receive um, the good news of Christ coming to earth as a baby. This message goes to, and as we'll see, it actually goes through the lowly and the despised. What Luke is telling us here is that you can't be too little. You can't be too low. You can't be too messed up for Jesus. But you can be too high. You can be too big. You can be too good. It's not the respected, the mighty, the self-sufficient, and the righteous that see and receive the good news of Jesus. It's the little. It's the outsider. It's the humble and the broken. The shepherds represent the common, everyday, lowly people, and that's who the angel shows up to announce the good news to. These are the people who get to see the sign of the baby in the manger. They get to hear the announcement of the king of kings. They get to see God come in the flesh for them. These suspect, unworthy vagabonds and thieves. Do you know who that's good news for this morning? It's good news for me, and it's good news for you too. Christmas is for people who need a savior. If you feel like you're not good enough, like you're too far gone, like you're too messed up, like, you, Kyle, you don't know what I've done, what's been done to me, I'm too messed up, I'm too damaged, you don't know what I've been a part of. That's good news. This story is for you. You are exactly the person that Jesus has come for and shouts his good news to. We hear Jesus' own mission statement in Mark 2, 17. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And in Luke 19, he says it here, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus didn't come for people who don't need him. He didn't come for people who don't need anything, who have it all together. He came for the broken. He came for the lowly. He came for the despised. He came for the outcast. So this morning, we have to ask ourselves this question, who are we? Are we self-sufficient? Are we proud? Are we religious and righteous and put together? Or are we lowly and humble and needy and messy and lost even? We need to see this morning that we are like the shepherds before this king. So what happens to these unexpected people? These unexpected people receive unexpected news from unexpected visitors. Just Picture it for a second. You know, the shepherds, they're tending their flocks in the field at, at night. They're minding their own business. When out of nowhere, verse 9, an angel of the Lord appears to them. You know, imagine the scene. It's dark. You're hanging out with the sheep. You're talking to your buddy. Um, and then, boom, 
this bright light fills the sky. And you're all of a sudden overwhelmed with this brightness. And the glory of the Lord fills your eyes. You can't keep them open. And then an angel of the Lord appears before you. You know, if, you, if you're reading through Luke so far, this is the third time in two chapters that an angel appears. Um, and so we kind of mistakenly assume that, you know, angels appearing are just kind of this normal, everyday, first century thing. Um, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, this was not common. This is totally out of place. This doesn't belong here. Um, these angels appear, and the shepherds are just as surprised as you and I would be if it happened right now in this room. The shepherds were not expecting this at all. So this angel shows up, and the shepherds are terrified. Or as Linus says, they were sore afraid, right? You know, why are they afraid? They're startled. They're confused and shocked because of this unexpected visitor. Yes, but it's more than that. Heaven has actually broken into their lives. It's intruded upon their lives, and they find themselves having the glory of the Lord all around them. This is the same glory of the Lord that that God doesn't fully reveal to Moses because it would kill him. It's the same glory that that shines on Moses' face and reflects back, um, and, and the Israelites make him shield his face. It's the same glory of the Lord that Isaiah sees when he meets God, and he throws himself to the ground, and he says, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. They're confronted face-to-face with God's holiness, with his presence, and they immediately see they don't measure up. They're broken. They're sinful. They've missed the mark. They're not the humans that they ought to be. They don't love God and their neighbor as they are called to. It's like in, in one of my favorite movies, in Wayne's World, when Wayne and Garth, they meet Alice Cooper backstage after a show in Milwaukee, and what do they do? They see him, they throw themselves on the ground. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. They just scream over and over again. You know, when you come face to face with God's glory, with his perfectness, with his holiness, with his love, and it's all around you, you see immediately, I don't belong here. This is not where I should be. This is not even to mention the fact that usually when angels show up, they're bringing death and they're bringing judgment. So this is all going on in the angel's head. And how does the angel respond to them? He says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. This unexpected visitor comes and is removing the obstacle that's presented itself so that he can deliver this message of good news. He says, don't fear. Do not be afraid. Behold, listen, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And and what's that good news? It's the gospel message. He goes on in verse 11. Today, right now, it's happening right this second. It's not in the past. It's present. Right now, today, in the town of David, in that poor, insignificant city, God has kept his promise A Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Whoa, right? The angel says, listen to me. Don't be afraid. Don't let the fear stop you. Hear this. This is the greatest news ever 
told, and it's for everyone. The Savior has been born. The Rescuer has come. The one who was promised that would come to deliver his people from all their enemies, he's here. And more than that, he's born. And he's born to who? To you, the angel says. You know, imagine the shepherds in that moment. To us, we don't know this person you're talking about. You know, this, surely you're mistaken, angels. You've got the wrong people. You've got the wrong field. This, is, this isn't right. The Savior has been born to you. And then Luke does something that's never been done before in human history or in human writing. He says this, this Savior, this human is Christ the Lord. He combines Savior and Christ the Lord for the first time in history. Savior, up until that point um, in Luke, has been referring to God and to God alone. It's God who saves. It's God who rescues. It's God who redeems. But here, it's about a baby. A baby who will rescue. A baby who will save. A baby who is the Messiah, who is the Christ, the anointed king from David's line. But he's also the Lord. This word is the word that God used for himself. It's his personal name. It's Yahweh. It's saying what you think it's saying. This baby is God come in the flesh. He's the king who's been promised. He's the rescuer who was promised to deliver his people from their enemies, and he's for you. The shepherds, he's for you. Shepherds, he's for you. Grace Church, so imagine you're in this field, you're processing all this crazy information that's coming at you, and then suddenly, just as one angel appeared, verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appear with the angel, filling the sky even brighter. You know, if we're honest, heavenly host, right? Like, it seems really tame and sweet. Um, we think of, if you're like me, you think of like those precious moments, little cherub-faced, you know, angels that were in my grandmother's cabinet. Um, don't sentimentalize this. This is God's angel army. This is terrifying. Um, they are numbering in the thousands, and they fill the sky, and they say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. The angel's message is this, glory, honor, praise. It belongs to God and God alone in the heavens. The heavens in this moment are praising God. And in the same breath, they're proclaiming peace on earth to those who are favored by God. The angels bring this unexpected message of peace to the earth, to those whom God is pleased with, to those whom God chooses and loves, to those he will die for, to those who are his people. This flies directly in the face of Caesar Augustus here in this moment and his Pax Romana. You know, his peace, Caesar Augustus, his peace and his kingdom, they came through violence. They came through oppression and through enslavement. And sure, it benefited a lot of people, but at a dreadful cost to those who were not in power. But this king who is born, this heavenly king, he comes to announce his peace on earth. And this peace is not for the powerful, and it doesn't come at the expense of the weak. This peace comes at this powerful king's expense. It comes at the expense of this baby's life when he grows up. It does not come through any other way. This unexpected message of Christmas is peace. It's shalom. 
It's a, a wholeness. It's rest. It's restoration. It's putting back together what's been broken. This peace, this is the good news of Christmas. And it comes in this way because there can be no other way. It comes because of the bad news of Christmas, if we're honest. The bad news for us of Christmas is that the biggest problem in our lives is not outside of us. The biggest problem that we face is not in our culture, it's not in our family, it's not in our politics, it's not in our society or our relationships or our finances. The darkest thing that we all face is inside of us. It's our sin. And the, it's the reason that Jesus is born, because we need a Savior, and that's who he loves to come and to rescue. None of us in this room, on this stage, is okay apart from God's invading grace into our lives. Ever since Adam and Eve fell in the garden, we've been at war with him. We've been his enemies. We haven't trusted him. We haven't loved him. We haven't followed him. We've rejected him. We worship and we follow anything but him. And we don't want anything to do with him. And so God's response to that attitude, to that heart stance, is I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my one and only son to come and to rescue you. This good news is so unexpected because God has every right to just punish us to just ignore us, to just leave us be and do away with us, but he doesn't. And he refuses to because Jesus comes to take all of our sin and all of our brokenness on himself. He takes all of our condemnation for sin so that when we approach him in faith and, re and in repentance, Paul says in Romans 8.1, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we've seen an unexpected people receive unexpected news from unexpected visitors, and that produces an unexpected response. The shepherds, their unexpected response, it's fourfold. First, they take God's word to them through the angels at face value, and they believe. They're not cynical. You know, when you first read verse 15, you almost expect them to say, let's go see if this thing has happened. Let's go see if the angels are telling us the truth. You know, they believe God's word given to them at face value, no matter how unexpected, no matter how unbelievable it sounds to them. And so they go, and they hurry off, and they search for the child. And that's why they're given the sign of the baby in the manger. So they rush off. They're searching for this child with this expectation and this intent that they're going to find him. And then in verse 17, when they had seen him, when they encounter this baby, the Savior, the Lord of heaven and earth, the Lord Christ, and everything was just as it had been told to them, they spread the word about this child to everyone they meet. These shepherds are the first evangelists and the first missionaries. And what's awesome about it is they're not even sent. No one tells them, hey, go tell everyone you know about this. They just do it. <laughs> you know, why do they do that? Well, look at verse 20. They returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen. They're filled with great wonder and amazement. They're filled with the joy that the angels had told them would come to them with this good news of salvation. The joy that they experience, that they're filled with, it bubbles out of them. It can't be contained, and they can't help but share this good news. 
the shepherds here, they remind me of my four-year-old daughter, Sawyer. Um, if you spend any time with her, anything that she experiences that she loves or she thinks is great or fun or exciting, she runs and she tells everyone she can about it um, with this excitement that's just bubbling out about her with this great thing, whatever it is, whether it's her pretty dress that she twirls in for us or whether it's in her you know, freshly painted fingernails and toenails from her nana or whether it's you know, our, our elf on the shelf, Jack, and what you know, trouble he's gotten into the previous night. Her joy, it's so overwhelming to her that it bubbles out of her, and she just has to tell us, and she has to share it with someone. So the question for us is, what are the things that you're compelled to share with those around you? What are the things that you celebrate, that you announce with wonder, and you invite people in to share with you? What do we call people about? What do we text about? What do we send letters for? What do we post on Facebook and Instagram about? You know, it's a baby being born. We celebrate. Our team wins the big game. We celebrate. You know, getting everyone to smile at the camera all at one time, that's a huge win. Um, a concert, a movie, a restaurant, whatever it is, um, we spread the word concerning these things because we say, look at the joy. Look at the wonder. Look at the excitement and the amazement I've experienced. You need to share in this with me. You need to experience it for yourself, too. So for those of us who are followers of Jesus, how much more should we join the shepherds in exclaiming and proclaiming and spreading the word about what we've seen and what we've experienced in meeting this Son of God and sharing in His grace? Do we have wonder? Are we filled with great joy? Or have we grown tired and weary and cynical? Has the wonder left us? That's why we need the gospel afresh every day. That's why we need to remind ourselves and preach the gospel to ourselves every day because we need to hear this good news again and again and again because if it isn't the best news that you've ever heard, then you haven't heard it yet. And so has this good news that brings great joy, has it become routine news of mild interest to you? What's so amazing here as we close at the end of our story, the, the shepherds, they go back to work. Look at verse 20. They return to their normal broken lives, to their disrespected job, their, statter, their status as outsiders, as untrustworthy thieves. It hasn't changed. Nothing about their broken, unwanted lives has changed. Their social standing hasn't, their financial situation, their relational standing with the community, it hasn't changed, except... Everything has changed. Their circumstances are not changed, but they have been changed. They've been summoned as outsiders by the king into his story of redemption. They've been filled with joy and with praise because they've encountered the Savior, the king come, God come in the flesh, born to them. They heard God's word. They believed. They acted on it. They worshiped, and then they went on mission for their king. As you approach Christmas this year, have you met this one that came for you, that changes the world, that brings great news of great joy? He has come. Go see him. Go look for him. He is there. And when you encounter him, how will you respond? Will you approach him and find him in faith? When you do that, you're transformed. You're not the same. 
He shatters your expectations, and he gives you a great joy that you have to share with those around you. Do you know that joy? Do you know this king this morning? Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your kindness to us, for this good news of great joy. Help us to seek after you and to find you and to respond with worship like the shepherds. Father, we ask that you would meet with us wherever we are this morning, that you would change us, that we would know you, that we would be found by you so that we can respond with joy. It's in Jesus' name we come. Amen.